0: the Prevention Perspective, a podcast dedicated to sharing information, ideas, and resources about violence prevention work. The topics discussed in this podcast, including healthy relationships, prevention practices and dating or sexual violence can be difficult and we urge you to listen with care our hosts are not licensed counselors or mental health professionals if you or someone you care about have experienced domestic dating or sexual violence please call the national domestic violence hotline at 1-800-799-7233 you can also find more resources in the description of this podcast
1: Welcome once again to another episode of Prevention Perspective. I'm Corey Michaels along with Tracy DeMarcus and our special guest today, Alyssa Burnham, the community outreach educator for Planned Parenthood. Alyssa, thank you for being with us.
2: Hi, it's good to be here.
1: Well, today we're going to be talking about consent culture, but let's start with what is a community outreach educator?
2: It's a really cool job in my opinion. I really enjoy it. Um, I get to do outreach and education here in Boise. I work with a lot of schools and various other organizations doing a lot of content centered around sex education, reproductive health, reproductive justice. Um, I get to work with a group of teens, um, just really incredible teens in a peer education group or yeah they're called the teen council. They're incredible and that's a really big part of my job is training them and working with them. Cool. Alyssa, do you just work in Boise? Um in the Boise area. Okay. Yeah. Um as of right now. Cool. Yeah.
1: Now, how, how do you identify your teens that you have for that for that council and get them on board and what is that process?
2: It's it's quite the process. <laughs> <laughs> um we Um, Starting like really soon, we're going to start looking at interested high school students in the Treasure Valley area. Um, They do an application process. We um, do interviewing. It's a very youth-led program. So the teens that are currently a part of the program will be a part of the interview process as well. Um, And... We like to just pick people that are really passionate about reproductive justice, sexual health, um, all of that good stuff. And you end up with a really cool group of young people.
3: Cool. How many um, young people are on the council?
2: We have 13 this year.
3: Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. And can they be on council for more than one year?
2: Yes, we do um, 10th, 11th, and 12th grade students. So... Cool. Yeah, it'll be sad to lose our seniors with some wonderful, wonderful young people graduating, but it's fun to get a fresh group as well.
3: Yeah, we feel the same way with the youth reps. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, yes, and with both the youth reps and with with your council, being able to see those seniors go on and you know they're going to be going out into the world and continuing to spread that word and just know you have more and more people and the, this, uh, this great movement uh, of being able to educate others, whether it's friends, whether they actually go into a, maybe they might be a community outreach educator themselves or work in right. some other type <laughs> of prevention program, or maybe they're just spreading that word by friends, people they encounter, all of those things. So vital to get to... You know, to where we have a stronger, more educated world.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, today we're here to talk about consent and the culture of consent. I think everyone knows the word consent, but do you truly know what it means? Well, we're going to talk about some of the just basics of consent Coming up next on Prevention Perspective.
0: Are you looking for more information about violence prevention? Whether you're a domestic violence service provider, educator, or parent, you can find more resources on our website at wcaboise.org. You will find lessons, videos, conversation guides, shareable social media content, and more, all in one place. Resources will be added regularly, so make sure you keep checking back for updates.
1: And we're back on prevention perspective. I'm Corey, along with Tracy, our special guest today, Alyssa with Planned Parenthood. And Alyssa, we were talking about consent and the culture of consent. Taking it down to just strip it down to just the basics. What is consent?
2: Well, if you're looking at just the basics, um, consent is just essentially like permission or approval for something Um, and we see that a lot just like in our everyday lives whether we label it as consent or not Um, but generally like in the work that I do um, we talk about specifically affirmative sexual consent so like actively agreeing to be involved sexually with someone else Mm. that's the very basics of it.
1: Well, and there was such a horrible, horrible time where I know when I was growing up and I would hear this and it just always disgusted me was that, that culture at that time in a lot of young men uh, specifically that, oh, they don't really mean no. No means yes. And it's like, no, I'm pretty sure no means no. And it kind of went into that movement of no means no, but it was... I know that it it truly wasn't getting down to the heart of what that meant. Um, What are the misperceptions that people may have about giving or receiving consent? Kind of like that. Yes means no. It just means push harder. No, it doesn't. But what are some of the other misconceptions, Tracy?
3: Um, I think there's a lot of misconceptions around consent and um, a lot of gray area. Sometimes people think Um, But really, if you understand consent and if you understand what it is, there there's no gray area and you can you can actively participate and um, and give consent and receive consent with with a partner, with anyone, um, if you truly understand what that is. And so, I mean, some of the misperceptions that we particularly, um, you know, end up seeing a lot in the work that we do around sexual assault, sexual violence, um, a lot of Indications that something other than a person um, or a human can give consent—something like their clothing, or like how much they were drinking, or where they were at at a certain time of day—was some sort of indication for consent. And all of those things are incorrect, Um, or assault if that if that's happening. Um, And so, unfortunately, again, there's there's people that think that that's a gray area or um, something in between, and. And it's just flat out non-consent.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. and this is something actually I've never shared before. Um, it can work both ways, but primarily, you know, it it, it is unfortunately most of the time males that are uh, the the ones that are guilty of that. Um, when I was about fifteen, there was a this girl that i'd kind of kind of seen and we were over and we were you know kissing doing all that and um all of a sudden it came down to whether or not we were going to be sexually active and i wasn't ready Mm. and i wound up and after a lot of pressure from this young lady uh i just i left Afterwards, it then went around that I was uh, that I was gay, that I didn't want to, uh, that I rejected her because I was gay, and that spread throughout the high school. And and I have to say that was uh, there was a lot of that, that was a that was a difficult time, a time where I wanted to leave school, a time where I wanted to you know, I didn't know how to deal or how to face you You figure this was the mid 80s. So a a very different time. But so whether it's physical abuse, whether it's, we talk a lot about mental abuse is can be just as destructive, in some ways, sometimes more um, than the physical abuse. And so it it does, it does happen in so many forms.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm sorry that happened. Thank you for sharing. It's something that. I
1: haven't thought about in, in years now. Um,
3: and yeah, that, that pressure, that coercion that makes it feel like someone can't or shouldn't say no, if that's ever coming up, that should be an indication that this is not consent happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm curious if Alyssa, if you want to elaborate more um, around that or even talk about fries. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um,
2: yes. I will love to talk about fries. Um, So FRIES as in like French fries. um, It's an acronym (laughs) that we like to use at Planned Parenthood. And it's a really good way to um, sort of figure out if something is consent or not. Um, So a lot of times if we're teaching lessons around consent, people have a question. Oh, well, like if this happens or things go down like this, does that equal consent? And you can sort of walk them through this acronym. So FRIES... The F stands for freely given. So is this person able to consent without being manipulated, coerced under pressure of fear also without being intoxicated? Mm. Um, The R stands for reversible. So consent can be taken away at any time. Anyone is able to change their mind at any point in the process. yeah. The I stands for informed. So like, is this person fully informed? Like for example, if you agree to use a certain form of birth control and somebody doesn't hold up that end of the deal, that's not consent. That person was not fully informed as to what they were consenting to. The E stands for enthusiastic. So is this yeah. person giving you, the feeling that they're excited about being a part of the process, you know, um, sexes should be enjoyed by all parties. Are they giving you an enthusiastic yes? And then the S stands for specific. So, what exactly is this person consenting to? Um, and like consent to one thing doesn't equal consent to another thing. Mm-hmm. Like saying we should keep kissing and move it to my bedroom that does not consent to any other activity other than what they agreed to. So that specific piece. Yeah. And we've actually kind of adopted
3: the fries um, model with the work that we do around consent. And again, we're kind of gearing more towards sexual violence prevention rather than um, like reproductive health and justice, but it's still a critical piece of it it just makes so much sense to talk through the process with young people like because there can be situations that might be like a confusing experience or something that's new to them that they haven't um haven't experienced before and they might have some questions around that and so the fries model has been really really helpful in in walking them through that and um identifying like yeah, was this, you know, freely given? Did, did you feel pressured or did you feel like something would happen to you if you said no or, you know, because this person wanted to do this one thing meant that they assumed that you would want to do this other thing too. And like, um, and it's been a really, really helpful tool in our, our violence prevention work as well.
1: Well, and Alyssa, what is the impact uh, of living in a culture or society not rooted in consent?
2: I think, I think we can see the impact, um, particularly Mm -hmm. in the work that you all do with the WCA. Um, It's a society where victims of sexual violence aren't believed. Mm -hmm. Um, Sexual violence is not only tolerated, but it's even justified Mm -hmm. in a lot of cases. And victims um, could even end up blaming themselves, yep. not coming forward. Right. Um, stuff that unfortunately we still see a lot of. Yeah.
1: Well, and and Tracy, you know, when when you're in, in the work there at the WCA, you know, you are saying you you know, consent is something that you do talk about a lot because consent and abuse, it's the the same there's so many different forms of abuse and lack of consent That is abuse. If you push that farther, Mm -hmm. if you uh, demean this person, if you try and slip them something in a drink, you try and get them drunk, you try. Yeah. If you are not, as Alyssa was saying, if you're not fully on board, both parties going, at all
3: times, we're down, (laughs) let's do this,
1: uh, then that is abuse.
3: Yeah. And again, I mean, abuse is a really. interesting thing that can show up in a lot of different ways. Right. And, um, and particularly around, um, sexual interactions or coercion that can happen in relationships. Um, a lot of people might make assumptions that if you're married, you know, you can't not consent to something or, um, things like that. There's a lot of, again, like misperceptions or misinformation out there. Um, but a lot of times those, same kind of non-consensual um things around sexual activity can be used in other ways in that relationship um or you know putting pressure or manipulation or coercion um even to the point of like getting somebody pregnant intentionally I mean those are all ways that um that somebody who is who is not um, concerned about consent um, might use that as a means of like power or control in that relationship. And ultimately that's what, that's what abuse is. And so I think just coming back to this question of the impact of, you know, a culture that's not rooted in consent, that's, that's violence. Um, And unfortunately that's why the WCA exists and why we have jobs that, because it's happening to, to way too many people. Um, But again, I think if we can kind of shift the conversation into, okay, we know this is not how we want to be. How do we bring these pieces of consent or how do we model that culture of consent every single day? And what we do, I think that's the way that we can really create change.
1: Absolutely. All right. Coming up next, we're going to be talking about exactly that. How do we create a culture of consent? And we'll talk about that next on Prevention Perspective.
0: Is there a program, practice, or issue you'd like us to cover on this podcast? Do you want to share about the prevention work you've been doing? We are always looking for feedback, ideas, and suggestions. If you'd like to make a suggestion, contact us today at the email in the description of this podcast.
1: Welcome back to Prevention Perspective. I'm Corey, along with Tracy, our special guest Alyssa with uh, Planned Parenthood, and we're talking about consent. And this is a this is something that it's not isolated to any one particular group, any one uh, age group. It could be. I mean, we see this as young as in middle school, in high school, college but we see it in the workplace on a regular basis where someone um, maybe asks someone out on a date, you know, take away the, just the sexual part of mm. it, uh, asking them out for drinks or whatever. If that person says no, thank you so much. I, I really, you know, am honored that you asked, but, you know, I let's keep coworkers, coworkers, whatever yeah. it happens to be. And then you keep after that person. Mm-hmm. And then you start being vindictive and then you start being that is abuse right there in itself. And so we see it in everywhere in society. And you know I we were talking about this just a, a moment ago to where you know with with consents in our society, but now with with social media, with media in general with, being so connected, you know, when I was young, we didn't have cell phones, we didn't have social media, we didn't have internet, all those things. And it seems Mm -hmm. like we're just when we started to get a little bit better on the whole consent, then this took us to a whole new place. How do you think social media, media in general kind of affect that culture of consent?
2: Right. I definitely think it's something that needs to be looped into the conversation more often and how you take this consent piece and how you take it online take it into the digital world and truly like all of the same rules apply Mm -hmm. um before you pursue someone texting um sexting for example um you should be asking like is this something you are into? Are you? Would you be interested in mm-hmm. exchanging pictures with one another um, rather than just assuming that it's probably good, and then they'll tell you afterwards if it wasn't? Because right. that right. that's not consent. Yeah, um, I can, I also think it makes it
3: harder in the sense that uh, technology can often, or like the use of technology or behind a screen, can often make people more bold or, you know, assuming that there won't be consequences necessarily, um, for their actions. But again, if you're sending an unsolicited picture or a message with, um, some sort of connotation or like make somebody uncomfortable without their permission or talking to them about like, that's, that's non-consent and that's not okay. Um, whether or not you're, you know, this person in real life, or if it's just somebody that you follow on Instagram, like they should still be treated with the respect and the dignity that you would treat anybody else in your life. And so I think that's part of it too, with technology in particular is this sense of, well, it's on the internet so I can do anything to anyone or there won't be a consequence for this. And that's just, again, it's a a switching mindset and saying, even if I don't know this person, um, you know, they, they deserve better than to open up their inbox and see something that they don't want to see, or, you know, have that moment of like, Oh my gosh, like I was not prepared for that. Or, you know, I really didn't want to see that today or whatever the case might be. Um, and so just having that, that level of respect for people online as well as, or as well as you would have in, in person, if you were seeing them face to face.
1: Yeah. Well, when I was, when I was still doing radio before I retired, um, My morning show partner, she had gone through a a breakup and so she was, had gotten out into the, you know, the dating, online dating world. And we'd be sitting there in the studio and she had just signed up and it was, I swear, 10 minutes later, (laughs) she's like, oh my goodness, Mm -hmm. look at this. And it was this slew of pictures that no one really wanted or needed to see. She never even had a conversation with these individuals. And all of a sudden pictures that only their doctor should see. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I
3: I mean, that's an unfortunate, I think reality for a lot of women online. Um, And again, I think there's a larger like societal conversation that we'll, we'll probably have in later podcasts about that. Um, But yeah, this just assumption that it's okay to send and whether or not they wanted to receive it, like, that's that doesn't matter um again that is a non-consensual activity Um,
1: it seems like we have regressed so far when it comes to consent
3: sometimes
1: (laughs) it it feels that way just because of the technology and everything and as wonderful as technology can be um in in our connected world it also has its very ugly pieces to it too Mm -hmm. now Alyssa how can we model a culture of consent in our everyday work, in our everyday lives?
2: Yes. Um, The the idea of like a world that's totally rooted in consent culture is so exciting to me. Um, It's really just all about sort of practicing these pieces that go along with consent in everyday situations. Um, Like, especially i think like now working with covid mm. in our lives that can definitely play a part in it and like hey like are you okay with me sitting here next to you um would you be comfortable with us not wearing masks um these are all part of consent yeah. like we're all having these conversations it's nice practice um i think um anytime like before you're going to touch somebody like it's it's never hurts just to be like hey like would you like a hug or yeah Yeah. can i like just having these conversations asking these questions making it less about like what i want or what you want and more so about what what we want and having these conversations yeah and i think too like a lot of times
3: or maybe it's a generational thing i don't know um talking about consent makes people automatically think we're talking about sex or sexual activity and and consent is so much more than that and we should be practicing consent in so many more ways than just around you know sexual intercourse or whatever so yeah bringing in those those opportunities to practice consent with a coworker if it's like oh hey can I borrow your pen yeah sure but that doesn't mean that now i get to do whatever I want with the pen and I never have to give it back or whatever the case might be like practicing consent, even in those ways or even with your children, like, um, you know, not making them hug a family member if they don't want to hug a family member, um, you know, and giving them the, the tools and the, um, the support to be able to say, you know, this is, this is my body. And you know, if I don't want to hug today, I don't want to hug today. Like let's high five instead or like whatever, like makes them feel good. Um, and just practicing all of those ways that you can, you can, you can have consent in so many other ways, um, and, it, and it makes it so much easier. I think when maybe situations do get, you know, physically intimate or whatever the case might be, if you're normal, if you've normalized consent, if you're used to talking about it, if you're used to asking, like, "Hey, is this okay for you?" It's going to be so much easier in that in that moment um, to do the same.
2: Yeah,
1: absolutely.
2: A lot of. Consent, I think, is rooted around just boundaries. And I Mm. think another good way to sort of like model consent is to have your own boundaries. Yeah. Set them and stick to them and be a good example for others on how you can, you know, say no to things and how you can uh, respectfully reject something. And as well as on the other end, um, being able to accept rejection because if you're Mm -hmm. posing all these questions would you like this can you do that um you have to be okay with a no answer right because that's a huge part of it
1: Alyssa, thank you so much any final words
2: um no just happy to be here remember fries is always a good one we can find you or follow the council the teen council they are at tv teen council on instagram all right that's where we'll be the most active and then we can direct you to other places there cool thanks so much for being here yeah thank you
1: i'm Corey, along with tracy thank you so much for joining us for another episode of prevention perspective
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of The Prevention Perspective. Again, if you or someone you know has experienced domestic, dating, or sexual violence, please call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233 or the WCA's 24-hour hotline at 208-343-7025. Don't forget to follow us on social media at WCA underscore Boise and WCA Youth Reps. If you have any suggestions for topics you would like us to cover, or if you'd like to get more information about anything you heard in today's podcast, contact us through the email provided in the description of the podcast.